Uh, speaking of Schwarzenegger, I just watched Kindergarten Cop again. Oh, so good, dude. Movie rocks. It's so good. The, uh, the, that, that has to be like one of the first movies that, that got memed like hardcore. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Because like, you guys from the soundboards? Absolutely. Was, that was what I was just about to say. Like, the, the, I didn't realize that basically the entire Arnie soundboard is from that movie. Yes. Like, I knew. It's yeah. so fun to watch that movie and hear it all come Absolutely. Back like, I knew, um, uh, I knew who is your daddy and what does he do was from yeah. uh, was from Kindergarten Cop. But there's so many other ones where it's a really hard movie to watch with me around because I, I will just repeat the line so many times because of all, all the times that like me and my brother downloaded like prank calls uh, yes. off Kaza. Like, yes. Hold Absolutely. on. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> of um... John Kimball. OK, I got to hear these. Yep. Who told you you can fuck my wife? <laughs> <laughs> that is not from Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> I don't know, man. No, I know it's not, but I could point out to you which ones are because I just watched it yesterday. Oh, there's not. Oh, here's here's the one I'm looking for. John Kimball. Oh, he's supposed to say I'm Detective John Kimball. Yeah. This is a bad soundboard. Yeah. Um, I'll figure it out. Fuck you, asshole. <laughs> Funnily enough, like, I don't even think Schwarzenegger was like that bad of a governor. In terms of like when you compare him to other governors of California and particularly other Republican governors of California, like he's a lot less insane than most. But yes, he's also just, you know, the guy from the sound. I know absolutely nothing about his tenure as governor aside from like he was like not, you know, obviously not like not good enough by any means, but like, no, he did. But. He did take, uh, like, he did it gr- drastically improve California's smog problem and stuff, which is like right, you know, okay, that's, well, that's good, good, right? Like, it's just one of those things. Where it's like, the bar is on the floor, right? So, like, but yeah, for but sure. When you consider, Stop like, whining. that was a thing he wanted to do when he got in office, <laughs> and uh, and and uh, you know, most Republicans, all they want to do when they get in office is just like you know, giant tax breaks and like yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, Artie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this thanks. Me, to- uh, yes, we have a guest on the show. Yeah, this week. Exactly. Yeah. Hi, hi, Artie. How's it going? This is me, Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> well, uh, thank you. Thank you, you for joining us. Uh, hi, everybody. Uh, it's your it's your you? for the week. Uh, thanks, Artie. I'm doing quite well. Hello, cutie pie. How about yourself? Uh, uh, <laughs> let me talk to your mother. What? <laughs> God damn it, this bit isn't working at all. <laughs> Fuck you. How are you? <laughs> Come on. How, where is the where is the soundboard with who is your daddy and what does he do and like get to the chopper and like I, I, you know, it's it's uh it's uh who is your daddy and what does he do? Yes. So good. There it's we go. There. It's in there. Uh how did we get here again? We, I was talking about how I watched <laughs> Kindergarten Cop. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh i'm just gonna see if there's a, specifically a kindergarten cop soundboard oh, hold on hold on hold on good morning how are you i'm all right i want to ask you a bunch of questions i want to have them answered immediately who are you talking about who are you well, who are you detective john kimball <laughs> hey this is a motel 
Yes, that's the one. That was the one that I wanted. I'm a cop, you idiot. That's the that's my favorite one. All right, folks. Welcome to another episode of Roxy Fever. I'm your host, Jax McDonald. With me as always. Oh, wait, wait. Good morning. <laughs> Hi, it's Vyasteran. Hi. Hello, hello. Vyas is playing with his uh What's up, guys? Uh Arnold Schwarzenegger soundboard. No, it's it's me. It's me. That's howdy, stranger. <laughs> God damn it. I swear to God, if you play with this thing throughout the entire episode, I'm gonna <laughs> it's going to drive me insane. Um <laughs> we uh we oh, cutie pie. <laughs> it won't be too much. <laughs> we uh convene we've decided to convene this week to uh discuss the sort of early goings on from the first week of the season, particularly because uh, lately we haven't been getting together much at all. And then our episodes end up being an hour and a half, which is um, personally, I think fine when nothing is going on, but now it's it's tough for Elliot and I, because the first hour of us hanging out, Jackson is troubleshooting all his computer problems. (laughs) That's true. Elliot and I have to just like nod, but on zoom. Yes. For an hour. Yeah. It's just you guys being like, we're not bored, but we're just like, we have nothing to offer. It's like, I want to help, but I just can't. Yeah. Yeah, We'd like to help. It's always like we get on zoom and I'm just like, Oh, sorry. I'm having an audio problem or, Oh, sorry. I'm having this problem with my computer today. It was that all my stuff was automatically uploading to OneDrive when I didn't want it to. Um, and I feel like 99% of the time I'm discussing a problem that we're having and you guys are just like, sure, I know what those words mean. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was good. That was good. Um, so I guess the, the obvious place to start is uh, as of date of recording, which is Sunday, January 17th. Uh, hopefully the episode will go up either tomorrow or the next day. Good morning. Uh, it's actually 12 48 p.m right uh yeah you're right um holy shit the only thing worse than being interrupted by you is being interrupted by arnold schwarzenegger uh it stands to reason i guess that we would start with the home team and uh stop whining holy shit dude i can't that one like when they make sense i gotta do it well so far they've made sense about five times in the past two minutes so that's fair. There's too many good options. All right. All right. All right. Shut up. Th- that's him speaking to me. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So the home team. Yeah. Vancouver Canucks. Um, we've seen them play three games now, and obviously three games is not much of a sample size to go off of. And I definitely think a lot of people are overreacting to a very small sample size, but we we have some answers. We have a few answers that we didn't have a week ago and um, the opportunity to kind of have a relatively tight hockey focused episode. So um, I look forward to to talking about it with you guys. But I guess I'll just start with what do you guys feel like you've learned in the three games that we've seen that you didn't know a week ago? I'll start with oh. you, Elliot. Since you're, since okay. I'm gonna get your answers and not a soundboard's <laughs> answers, um, one real positive thing is that Hoaglander is definitely real. Yes, like he's gonna slow down and get caught up to when everyone else, you know, when he no longer has the advantage of being the only guy who's played half a season yes. of hockey. But for now, he's pretty real. The other thing that we've learned is that this team is really, really shallow. Like one injury, and not even injury, one absence in the top six. Yeah has made this team look extremely hit or miss in a deeply flawed division. I 
definitely, I think, underestimated how shallow they were because I think I was so focused on the top six and that hole on Horvat's line that I didn't really think about the rest of the lineup because that was the most glaring thing to me last year was just having to watch so much Louis Erickson with Bo Horvat and thinking about the team on just sort of a surface level and seeing, um, you know, like, okay, well, Hoaglander's on that line and that line's really cooking. And if that line's really cooking and the Pedersen line just sort of stays where it's at, then all of a sudden, like this team has two pretty consistent scoring lines, which is, which is great, you know, and, and they have, you know, Vertanen and Godet to sort of uh, uh, pitch in, in the bottom six or, Mm -hmm. but I definitely underestimated like the extent to which there's just no one to, no one to fill in when there's an injury. Like, I think we're already seeing how much Jake Vertanen, is just just does not belong in a top six and probably never will. And how much of the offensive um, bursts we saw from so many players last year were probably ultimately more luck based than anything else. You know, we all knew they were going to be a bit shallow this year, but I'm definitely that reality made itself more present after watching these games than it was to me at the start of the season. How about you, Vias? What have you, uh, what are you, how are you feeling right now? Unfortunately, I didn't manage to watch uh, at the time the Calgary game. Sure. I'm actually watching like a replay of it now. Oh, yeah, sure. Watching a lot of highlights. Um, I mean, I imagine most people probably were heavily distracted while while watching it, considering how fucking boring it was. So, uh, yeah, we like, don't that, know that much less yeah. than the average listener. <laughs> yeah, like I'll ask some questions later about yeah, uh, certain things, but. Sample size, I mean, we talked about it, like, three games kind of means, like, seven games. Uh, um, so it's not like it's a small sample size. I think it matters in a 56-game season yes. how well they're doing after three games. Yeah. And, sure, every game matters. And, yeah, losing losing Miller for this period. And it's not like, like this is going to be a season where we're probably going to have a lot of players lost, not just to injury, but COVID. Yeah. Uh, we're not going to be able to call up guys from Utica very easily. I hear that we might be using the the Moose as a place to park some players from Utica, but uh, it's looking, I don't know. I'm feeling like I'm on the Capilano suspension bridge right now, guys. <laughs> like it's, uh, it's rickety. Uh, to, to, like to me, Miller was not like, okay, obviously he was a mainstay last year, but as a very casual observer, I was like, okay, like another good forward. And he's a winger usually. Yeah, I mean, all, all the time he's a yeah, winger. Yeah, like, right? he, like he, for, for me, if you have a winger missing and your team, your team's depth is like that glaring, it's a different problem than if a center is missing and your, and your team's uh, offensive depth is uh, glaring. Like this is just a winger. Wingers are not as important as centers, and this is how bad they look. Like I will say though that in Miller's case, like his role, particularly on the lotto line, and his role next to Elias Patterson yeah. is more because he is a natural center. It's more of the center's role, and it's 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 complicated because really what what what's made that line so effective, and what I think really shows Travis Green's chops as a coach is that that line, Patterson and Miller their roles are very fluid, right? Mm -hmm. So it isn't so much that there isn't, there, there isn't a traditional center on that line in the way that we think of it. It's more of the two of them playing different roles based on 
um, kind of what's going on on the ice. So one thing, like the, the most obvious one is Pedersen basically does play center on that line, but Miller's usually the one who takes the faceoffs. Um, and I don't know how much that of an effect that's really had. I certainly haven't noticed it watching, but it is disconcerting that they miss Miller so much because I mean, we all like at the risk of relitigating shit that I talked about endlessly last year. Like I do think that Miller had an insanely lucky season last year. And in fact, like I kind of think that entire line did. And I know it's probably not something people hey, want to call the line for a reason. Jackson. <laughs> I know a lot of people probably don't want to hear this, but like Elias Pettersson is very good. Brock Besser is very good. JT Miller is very good. But that line, particularly Elias Pettersson, had some of the highest on ice shooting percentages in the league last year. And a lot of the like Elias Pettersson, because I think Elias Pettersson is an elite player. I think that's entirely fair. I think it's fair that fans in Vancouver want to categorize him as being in the same the same vein as a McDavid or a Matthews but a lot of the numerical case for that which at certain different points um, has actually suggested that Pedersen isn't just as good as those players but better um, relies on the assumption that he's going to have like a 12% even strength on ice shooting percentage for his entire career. And I just, I don't think that's true. Like, I don't think he's Steven Stamkos. You know what I mean? Like, no. I think he's above average, but he's not necessarily the best. Exactly. And, and I think that, that this kind of regression was probably always coming. And the thing about regression is that it doesn't mean that, I made this case with Brock Besser as well, and I think we're starting to see it with Brock Besser. Regression doesn't mean that like a player can't get back to where they were in their first season or two or even improve on it. It just means that they're going to have to produce more chances to to do that, right? And the thing with Elias Pettersson is you hope that this year and next year and the year after, he will be producing more scoring chances than he was doing when he was 19 you know, because he'll be older and better at hockey. But the thing is, is that you probably shouldn't assume that that improvement is going to be linear and that he's just going to continue to get as many chances and convert on the same number of chances he was like two years ago. Um, and, and I think like one positive takeaway is how good Brock Besser has looked and that's happening for him now, but we just might have to wait a year or two for it to happen for Pedersen but things might not come as easily as they did in his first season and even arguably his second season. I, I've got a question about PD, mm. uh, just opinion from both of you guys. Um, I've just been watching the, the, the first few games with like a guy, a buddy from Edmonton sure, yeah. uh, quite often. And, you know, he always scoffs when I make the McDavid PD comparison, sure. but I am curious what your opinion is, is on how much Pedersen's excellence comes from like, does he need two great line mates to shine? Because it, I, I get the sense of McDavid doesn't. It does not matter uh, who's on McDavid's line to an extent. Um, uh, he will still look like one of the best players in the league. Like, does Petey rely 
uh, on other players as much as him? Or that's a great question. Like, how much of an indiv- like individual standout is he? Yeah, yeah, fair. Elliot, like, what do you what do you think about that? I'll let you go first. Um, I kind of want to push back on that claim about McDavid not relying on the rest of his team because him, mm-hmm. like, yeah, he can generate offense by himself and he can do it really well. And that's why Edmonton has whatever success they do have. Yeah. But at the same time, he's because Edmonton is Edmonton. They're also a deeply flawed team. Like all the teams in the North, um, the lack of support that he has means that he has to cheat on defense to generate offense by himself, which is pr- uh, this is kind of an old man mm. hockey take, but I kind of buy it that McDavid is probably the best player in the league, but he's not getting best player in the league results because he's trying to do all this offense by himself. I agree. I mm. completely agree. But I think he, I think he absolutely can generate more offense by himself than Pedersen. I, th- I I think so too. And, and Pedersen I- does play a better defensive game, is what I hear. Or is yes. what I hear oh, absolutely. That's what I, was uh, I choose today. to believe that because it makes me feel happy. No, I <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not. But, but also, you don't see McDavid do that as much then is what you're saying. No, not at all. Yeah, right. Elliot raises a good point here, which is that with someone like McDavid, he's so good offensively. And that team is so lacking in that department specifically and so built to just have him play that way that his defensive results are terrible, you know, like they're, they're legitimately mm-hmm. not very good. And I do think that that, that he's kind of been forced into that role. And I do, I don't think that like, he's just a bad defensive player. I think that oftentimes we don't have a very good sense of why results are happening. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and this is a thing too. I, I'm going to, he's not put in a position to be a defensive. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm going to write about, they can't afford, they can't afford for McDavid to even try that. Yeah, exactly. And I, I'm going to, I've been thinking about writing about stats recently and how like, like I, I find the longer, the, 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 like more I step back from doing like traditional hockey blogging, the more looking at people's charts and models and people who talk about hockey stats the more it, that feels like looking at an impossible object, like the, the further and further, I feel like it gets away from what I would call like the material reality of the game. And so what I think a lot of people sort of miss is like, they, they look at a player and they see his results and they're like deterministic about it. They're like, this is what this player is. But there yeah. are so many yeah. instances where we, we've seen players suck on one team and then go to another team and be great and have and have their numbers change in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if, yeah. and so with McDavid specifically, like I think that if you look at McDavid and go, he's bad defensively, you're kind of missing the point, which is that yeah. like Edmonton is a dog shit team and he is a singular offensive talent in the NHL. Like there's mm. no, there isn't yeah. any player in the NHL that is more talented than Ta- Connor McDavid, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. when, so more dangerous, so too. you have yeah. to consider those contextual factors and how they, how they can create like poor underlying results defensively. Having said that at the same time, just watching the two players, like, and, and looking at the, the underlying results as well, like Pedersen, is a really impressive two-way player and he just doesn't give up defensively. Um, Mm -hmm. And so like I, I tend to lean on the analysis of 
smarter people for stuff like this. But I remember there was a recent uh, podcast episode where Drance compared Pedersen like he compared uh, McDavid to like because this this conversation came up and he, he compared McDavid to like, you know, a Lemieux or like Yager or somebody like that. Somebody who's going to get like 120 points a season very easily because of how what his skill set is and how he's earmarked for offense. And he compared Pedersen more to someone like Datsuk, right? And I'm not saying mm, right. Pedersen is Datsuk by any means, but like I do think that if Pedersen sort of like continues on his development towards being one of the league's like top centers, his the way that he is going to be elite is going to look a lot more like that than like Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. because he isn't as raw and naturally talented as Connor McDavid. I don't think he's a he's a very high percentage shooter. That may last. It may not. But I think the reason he is such a high percentage shooter is just because like he's more of an Alex Tongay high percentage shooter than a Steven Stamkos high percentage shooter. Like, sure, he's got a great what does shot. I mean, yeah, he's he he's got a good enough shot that he can fool goalies for sure. But it's more that his hockey sense is so good that he's taking shots that are going to be goals. Whereas yeah. that, that right. whereas okay. as opposed to like Alex Ovechkin, who just fucking rips it battering the net yeah exactly (laughs) and uh and ovechkin's an interesting counterexample too when you're when you talk about mcdavid because like he's a guy who plays like mcdavid does who cheats offensively but the reason why Mm -hmm. is because like we saw two-way alex ovechkin and yeah he was fine he was a fine two-way player but it meant that you got 30 goals out of him a season instead of 50 which is pointless mm-hmm. like why mm-hmm. and him playing defensively is not going to save you 20 goals so therefore exactly and i think what do you want i think yeah. it's kind of the same thing with mcdavid where it's like the 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 20 goals he if he plays if he cheats offensively he can get you 20 more goals not necessarily individually like he'll create 20 more goals for you yeah and it's uh, like let him let him exist outside of the trots or whatever exactly system. yeah so uh, make yeah. everybody else uh do d but i don't know mark crawford i personally <laughs> still lean on like Pedersen is very good at, but it's a bit much to compare him to those guys be- just because yeah. of what I said about those on ice percentages. Like I, I think a regression is coming unfortunately. And I think that uh, in Patterson's case, asking him to do more offensively actually weakens his game that he is mm. the kind of player who's going to be better uh, suited to play on a deep team that can roll three lines that can score and that can move uh, players up and down through the the top nine uh, sort of more freely than the Canucks can. But um, mm. I guess we should also mention, we should also talk a little bit about Niels Hoaglander because that's been, as far as, um, as yeah. far as I'm concerned, like my, my takeaway from the first three games has actually been like fairly positive because I knew Calgary was going to be better than them. Right. Like, I didn't right. expect them to beat Calgary. What I saw was I saw one game where they were way better than Edmonton. One game where they were about the same as Edmonton, but Edmonton got the better results and a game where they got manhandled by Calgary, which is a thing I kind of expect to happen this season. But the two biggest, most positive takeaways from these uh, these first three games that I was really wondering about. Yeah, were, <clears throat> I was going to preface this, yeah, by the way, yeah. with are the Canucks good yeah. or my renaming of the segment yeah. Why does Jackson think his opinions are vindicated this time in particular? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, 
Um, I, what I was about to say before you so rudely interrupted me um, <laughs> was that uh, that I don't like I don't feel terrible about the way the first three games uh the, the way the first three games went because my two biggest worries were top six and goaltending. And I feel like, okay about those after three games, because Holtby looks totally solid. Um, yeah. And like, certainly he looks like he's not going to be an eight ninety seven goalie again at the very least. And Hoaglander looks like a guy who can, who can be at the very least, like, a middle sex scorer. And, um, and that's why I wanted to talk about him a little bit. I, uh, will get to what I think about him in a minute, but how are you guys feeling about Niels Hoaglander, particularly that first game? I thought I was expecting Hoaglander to be like, like a guy. It's like, yeah, I can see why he's on the team, but does he need to be? Mm-hmm. And I am just so stoked that he actually like, Oh, this is a legitimate middle six option for the Canucks. I like that. He seems confident with the puck, uh, down low which I think is a word that means closer to the net. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to keep going with that, though. Uh, Don't correct me. Um, So, yeah, he looks he looks confident with that. He doesn't look like he's shy with the puck when he's near the net. Um, And like, obviously, we get to see that because he's on the first power play unit. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. um, And also, I like how feisty he is. Like he. he, Yeah. He's got aggression. Uh, He's. He's fun to watch. Like, uh, uh, did he did he try to lace somebody out in the Calgary game? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I just that's uh, that, that's fun to watch from uh, from a guy playing his third NHL game. He looks and tough. A guy who's found money. Yeah, for five nine king. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's he looks. Um, first of all, he's thick. Like I didn't realize, you know how like apparently he weighs like two hundred pounds. Like he's five nine and he's like one ninety. Really? Yeah, yeah. Apparently oh, he's man. like really. Uh, and I don't know. Like I don't know if he's. It's it's hard to tell with all that gear on. Like I don't know if that means yeah. he's doughy or he's just like built like that. Like he's got a Marty St. Louis build or something. But like, yeah, yeah. The Huge biggest ass. thing that surprised me about him is that like, so he's still got stuff to work on. He's got to work on play without the puck, um, which hasn't been bad, but just could be better. And I think, you know, he's, he's only 19. He'll, if he keeps getting his, his reps in at the NHL level, he can get better at that with Travis green as his coach. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, funnily enough, discipline because he's feisty. (laughs) And I saw him take like a, I've seen him take at least one like kind of questionable penalty in terms of decision making. But having said that, I would way rather see my five nine player be overly aggressive and take stupid penalties and have to walk yeah. that back than be a wilting yeah. a wilting violet. Because if you are five nine and a wilting violent, you will get picked on, right? So yeah, yeah. I, I just I yeah. I have this weird expectation where like uh like before the season started and I hear about him, um, I'm expecting him to play. Kind of like I don't know why he keeps coming in my head, but like Goldobin, of like European rookie or like young player, and he's getting hyped up for his offensive skill, and I expect him to be kind of shy, and then once he gets the puck, he tries to do something daring with it, then fucks up, and then doesn't do it again because the coach is punished. Yeah, like, totally. There's a kind of a cycle that happens with these kind of prospects I see, and to see then to see this guy just laying out hits and and taking penalties and stuff, and like ah, uh, he's. He, he breaks a mold in my head. He's already and, my favorite uh, player. 
<laughs> like I, I just I yeah. have I have to stress this. Like he's got the he's got the Yannick Hansen uh like bump with or not from him, but you know when I see thirty six, oh, I get excited. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. He does exciting things, and it, it just works. Yes. He's a worthy successor. He's he's allowed to yeah. wear the number. Absolutely, yeah yeah, 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 totally. I can't think of a. I really can't think of a player that I would rather see wearing Yannick Hansen's old number thirty six as uh as Don Taylor would say. Um, but uh, I just, I have to say like, you know, I, I covered the Canucks. And so when I covered the Canucks, I went where the eyeballs were, which was not so much on the team and more on the draft. Right. And for years, I felt like fucking Jim Cramer on mad money, telling everybody to put their money into short Swedish guy and just not it not it never coming up you know my that, that my number never coming up like for years you, di- you didn't want a short swedish guy you wanted short swedish exactly guy. Yes. yes i was like yeah, i was yeah, like yeah. put all yeah. your money into short swedish guy all my stocks and bonds were invested in short swedish guy maybe everybody thought you meant to short swedish guys maybe yeah but that's yeah. why everybody else wasn't going but that's for short what swedish guys. that's you know like for like six years i was literally not expecting this to be the joke that Vyas was making for, for like six years <laughs> people asked me who the canucks should draft and time and time again the answer would come back invariably short swedish guy like every single time you know not necessarily swedish but like this type of guy and the canucks actually bit a couple of times right uh they took artem manukin they took petrus palmu um and and it and it didn't work out but with hoaglander working out i feel like like that's those are great odds right like you take three yeah. of those guys and one of them works out. That's part. That's great. That's why. That's why we want you to take those guys, right? Is because yeah. yeah. And that's why we want you to have a lot of draft picks. Yes, exactly. And and it just it's nice to see that process get rewarded because I was really worried, particularly just the way Palmu kind of flamed out for all kinds of different reasons. Um, I was really worried that like they were going to move away from that. And it's nice to see that, like, I know, <laughs> for example, that uh, Ryan Beach loved Niels Hoaglander, like, big time uh, as both a, um, like, a scout from the, like, scout perspective and then just, like, you know, as a fan or whatever. And so it's, uh, it feels nice knowing, like, he's going to be in that organization and that, like, I'm sure somebody that he would have advocated for a lot. Uh, is doing so well because it's going to enable the organization to empower him more, which, you know, I mean, obviously I'm biased, but I think it's going to be great because I think Ryan is a smart guy who has good hockey instincts and who perhaps most importantly, hockey men seem to like and respect, even though he's not a hockey man. So great, great stuff. Um, I can't wait to watch Hoagland or more. Uh, I am so happy that we've seen him with Pedersen. I really hope that sticks like i really hope they have success together just because it would be the funniest combo of two guys on a line like two swedish guys one who's the the tall skinny guy from uh nas hockey and one who's the short fat guy from nas <laughs> hockey and, and like jt miller if he if he ends up being the guy on that line he's like the normal guy um and uh i just want to see that line like dominate the nhl that would be great i don't know what it means for brock besser um unfortunately i guess so we'll see but um oh, he's been doing all right he had a good first he game. did he he had he's i think actually he's been the best canuck um over these first three games and mm. i i like i think he's gonna have a bounce back here 
Um, oh, yeah. I think I think so, everyone else <laughs> is going to take a step back, but I think he is gonna is gonna have a bounce back year finally. Brick Bowser, as my dear friend yes. Christina likes to call. Hell yeah. Um, I wanted to ask about the power play. So I saw from watching the replay, and I'm watching the replay again in the background here. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> Tanev, Markstrom, shut him down. And it makes sense to me because this power play has been the same since Gordon fucking Campbell's premier of the province. <laughs> it's been the same since I was a federal liberal. It's been the same since before Luongo had a known Twitter account, since David Eby used to work at Pivot Legal Society, since, uh, uh, like, it's been the same for a long fucking time. It's as been long the, as ta- I can the same since both of us were in high school. Yeah. And Elliot, uh, uh this solid chance has been the same since I was in high school. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I just, yeah, I just want to say like, I, it feels so stale to watch. I know they switched it around a few times. Like they had the bumpers going at the beginning that wasn't working yeah. and they did the thing where, uh, they did their off hands going in, which creates more movement. I know, but still, uh, like, yeah, even Markstrom and Tanev were like, this is the same fucking thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could, you could actually see Tanev like cheating on every single pass. Cause he kind of knew what was going to happen. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, people, people like, I don't buy it when people are like, Oh, this player, you like when we play the capitals and somebody's like, Oh, Jay Beagle will know. how to down. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, but Tanev and Markstrom. The thing is everybody <laughs> knows how the Washington capitals power play works. It's, Either block or get the hell out of the way of a vegetable yeah. shot. And you're, just and one you're of these going two to, things. And you're going to give up a goal anyways. <laughs> you just don't look stupid doing it. Uh, but with these two guys and a stale power play, um, yeah, of course. Like these games against Calgary are not gonna are not gonna go down well. In my yeah, opinion, I suspect like and the power play is not as bad as it's been either. It's been better. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, it, like mean, the results are not there at all, but that's going to come. Their power play more was like excellent last old, year. Uh, you know, more like old L Brown. <laughs> God damn it. Well, anyways, the power play um, coach is named new old Brown guys. I'm, yes, I know. Um, thanks yeah, for explaining thanks, that joke. Thanks. You got it. Thank you, well, Ted. That was it's not joke. just us in this conversation. Um, it's also you, the fans. <laughs> Uh, I any do you guys want to revise any opinions from last episode uh, <laughs> based on the first three games? I'm still feeling like um, now that I we should talk a little bit about the rest of the North Division in a second. But now that I've seen everybody else in action as well, I still feel like at this point, it's just kind of everything's going the way we thought it was going to go. The Montreal and Toronto look like the best teams. And that second sort of group is is going to be duking it out. But I do feel like, you know, Calgary looks like they're probably poised to be the third team in that group. And then, you know, the other Western Canadian teams are going to duke it out for that last spot. So we'll see what happens. But um, have you guys caught any other North Division games so far? I watched a bit of the Toronto and Ottawa game and a bit of the uh, Montreal Oilers game. Yeah. Okay. The Stutzla goal. Wait, uh, Elliot, you're you're the one with the German blood here. How do you say his name? Stutzla. Stutzla? Oh yeah. His goal, like I mean, pretty good bounce on the puck there for that one timer, but man, that was awesome to watch. And like if you watch him in the juniors, like he is incredible. Yeah, he's great. Um it's, Eat it's your heart very out, funny. JD Burke. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> it's very funny to see like I know Ottawa has like one of the youngest teams, and so this makes sense, but like Good Branson has the A on that team. <laughs> I know. Did, did you guys know this? 
Yep. Oh man, I forgot. <laughs> like I, yeah. I get it. I, I definitely forgot, but but <laughs> it's just a bit of a trip to watch. I think it's ridiculous that Stutzla gets to put the umlauts on his jersey, but uh, Hoaglander doesn't. Yeah, yeah, we got to fix that. <laughs> we got to figure something out there. Um, well, so maybe that'll make people stop calling it Hogwatch. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> since we're on the topic of uh, the North Division. Yeah. Um, oh, holy shit. I just saw Vertanen's turnover at the blue line. Like, I know that turned into an offside, but holy shit. Oh, that guy man. Needs to go. Jake Vertanen. I I don't want to spend much time on Jake Vertanen, but I do just have to say, like, it is going to be fun uh, just watching him regress back down into the what the is there to score. <laughs> like i don't know man i think the beer industry has been hit hard enough with covid <laughs> <laughs> yeah fair enough elliot i cannot wait for you to come up with the sea shanty about jake for tanning going down highway one <laughs> i cannot wait i like <laughs> take some of the patreon money and just like <laughs> just i don't know come up with something it, it just Circling back to the the North Division, it seems like, you know, shitting on the Leafs has been very popular uh, recently. And I mean, obviously, I'm here for that because it's fun. But um, I do think people are hugely overreacting to the fact that they lost one game to Ottawa. Anderson is not a good goalie, but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Don't overreact. That is the thing that that so many people don't understand is it's like (laughs) when it comes to. When it comes to your hockey team in general, like you guys know that quote about how, like, before you diagnose yourself with depression, make sure you're not, in fact, just surrounded by assholes. And I feel like goaltending is the is the hockey version of that, where it's like before you diagnose your team with having fundamental character problems, you should first make sure that your goalie is not, in fact, a pumpkin. And like, I I, I don't know, Anderson. I'm not really sure what the deal with him is. It seems like he's really fallen off, um, but and that could be a problem. But one thing that I always find frustrating is when a team is like basically pretty good, even though obviously the Leafs do have some flaws. And the most obvious problem is just goaltending. And then people take that and turn it into like, you know, criticism of the 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 entire team, which I just think is like I I have mixed feelings on Toronto. I want them to do well because I would like their process to be rewarded because I think it it's bad when good process isn't rewarded because it, it just because it means a bad process is getting rewarded. Exactly. Like it just it yeah. it just yeah. prolongs the situation we're in uh where where guys like fucking Eric Goodbranson get an A because people don't understand because he's what, tall. Yeah, because he's fucking tall. Yeah, exactly. And handsome. Um, and also, more than ever, Toronto is going to be forced down our throats this year. Absolutely, because of the North Division setup. I so, know. Like, yep. uh, give me, give me an interesting. Team. I maintain that if I have to hear about Toronto constantly, no matter what's happening, I would rather they be good. Yeah. Because so yeah. to to stay on Toronto, mm-hmm. I have discovered. Well, I, I kind of made it up in my head if it does <laughs> exist, but the most interesting legal job. Basically, there's got to be a lawyer out there who has had to write the memo or will have to write the memo for what is going to happen if Joe Thornton scores four goals, <laughs> like the NHLPA's lawyer, like what is it in decent exposure? Is it yes. within the spirit of the game? Is it sexual harassment? 
if the goalie's letting in four goals, like don't like three goals, don't they kind of know what's going to happen? Like, so you're saying that by letting in the fourth goal, they're asking for it? A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like, like after I think it would be goals, really whatever, funny if you were runs, like, but... I don't know who the prankster is on Toronto because I am not going to follow the Leafs at all. But it would be really funny if Mitch Marner did like have a rubber chicken to throw on the ice if this ever happened. <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. Yeah. <laughs> that, honestly, if Joe Thornton ever scores four goals, that's what should happen. Like he should just take a rubber chicken out and just like give it a couple of jerks <laughs> and just be like, there, everybody's satisfied. <laughs> it is so funny to think that the reason that meme exists is because of Bache. Absolutely. That he was yeah. the guy that, who caught that. Like, like, stretch this out. Yeah. yeah, fucking amazing. Because uh, sports writers are some of the greatest people on earth, right? Absolutely. <laughs> um, and I want to like Botch knew when to be like, this this old rule is fucked. I'm going to break it yeah, for this. Absolutely, <laughs> like, yeah. This and he also did ask Thornton if he could publish it. Yes, he did. I d- yeah. uh, I missed that part actually. Yeah. Uh, uh, a San Jose writer had a meltdown about it, and then Botch said, "I asked, and it was fine." Yeah. So. <laughs> really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. No. I, I don't. Oh, yeah. I that makes perfect sense to me because I don't see how Thornton would give a shit. Like it was yeah. funny. It, it, that's a weird that, that that that's a weird tick that some writers have. But circling back to the Toronto thing, have a heart, man. Joe Thornton's playing in Toronto, like. If there was ever, it, it might be his last go around. If there was ever a year to to ease up on the Leafs, oh, yeah. it would be this year. Yeah. I, I love Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons too. Like I know they're not good anymore. Mm-hmm. I know they probably shouldn't have uh, have but have er- gone er- out and gotten those two guys specifically. But like, it's fun. You know? Every year, there's a few old guys that are on a team that you're like, let's let's cheer for these guys. Let's hope. I just want good things to happen to them. And yeah, Simmons yeah. and Thornton, even though there's probably a 28 year age difference between the two, <laughs> yeah, um, I want good things to happen for them. I can't name another team that has like a few guys like that. I mean, Spets is on Toronto too. Yeah, he just got waived but... today. We'll see what the we'll see what the result. But he's yeah, also threatened good. that he's not going to report to any team that claims. Yeah, him. I don't think he's. Yeah, I, that. I, I respect that. I also respect that. Yeah. 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 Um. Uh, he's just like, I've already played in Ottawa, man. I'm not doing that again. Last note on the North Division that I just want to say, uh, holy shit, Montreal looks really good. I right. I can't so name Gary a single Price fucking player in that good. team. Dude, that's the thing. That's that's Montreal's secret. Like, you know how um when we talked about Vegas uh wait, Carey Price? Or? What what? Who wait, who is Montreal's secret? Carey Price? No, I was gonna say like oh. the Montreal the secret to Montreal's success is remember when we were talking about Vegas like six months ago or whatever, and the Canucks facing off against them in the playoffs, and I was like, they have so many guys, and just every time you think you're out of guys, they find another guy. That's Montreal, man. Like, but they're a they're the low rent version of that because they have they have like seven or eight players that are like, oh yeah, that guy, he's pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, so they lead the league in, you know, second liners, basically like really mm, elite okay. second liners. It's yeah. all second liners. All the yeah, way down. exactly. All like right. they have, they have so many guys that I even forgot about. Like, first of all, I kind of like, I, I remembered, but didn't really remember until I saw him on the ice that like Tyler Toffoli plays there now. Uh, Thomas Tatar uh, was yep. one of the main pieces they got back in the Pacioretty trade, which is like, man, I wish I had been more vocal about it, but um, there were 
a lot of people, particularly stats people who don't know fucking anything about prospects. And so they decide that like it's made up um, that uh, really criticize that Pacioretty trade. And a, mm-hmm. a couple years later, like Nick Suzuki looks like a first or second line center. Thomas really? Tatar is scoring like almost as much as Max Pacioretty does. And Pacioretty is just getting older. I don't know. I thought that the reception to the Pacioretty trade was really weird because it was like, what more do you want? You know, you got a guy on the roster right now who is like maybe 80% as good as Max Pacioretty and a future top six center. And then they got like other Mm. stuff in that trade too. But like Nick Suzuki, I went, I, I have to take the opportunity to pat myself on the back here. Like Nick Suzuki was one of my favorite prospects in the 2017 draft. I wanted the Canucks to trade their pick down and pick him. Um, I'm Mm. glad they ended up with Pedersen because Pedersen's even better. But like, but if Pedersen wasn't there, then that would be absolutely like just a two way pretty weak draft. Otherwise, yeah. looks amazing. Um, you know they still have Kokaniemi. Uh, Shea Weber. I'm looks excited like to watch a couple games against him this finally year. Finally healthy again. Can, can, you, can you, you guys kind of give me context on Kokaniemi and Dano? Because I yeah, uh, huh, I don't know. <laughs> um, Dano. I swear to God, I just said that. No, like I just thought that. Now. I'm trying to think of <laughs> like a good guy to compare Dano to, but like, um, because to me, it's just like, who the fuck is this? Uh, the top center like, on the, on the house. I don't. Like, I don't know this. I guy. shouldn't. I I don't want to compare him to Kyle Wellwood because that's not. He's better than mm. Kyle Wellwood, but he's but like, but we like. But like coming from you, that's exactly like, that means no. He's, good. he's like that type of guy, though, in the sense of where you're. You're like, yeah, this guy looks pretty good. Like decent, you know, like third liner or whatever. And then you look up his underlying numbers, and you're like, holy shit, <laughs> that's Philip Deneau. Mm. Like he's okay. um. I remember um, one time, uh, Micah, while while I was at Van Hack, Micah tweeted out like uh, a uh, one of his charts of um, Kyle Wellwood's time with the Canucks, while uh, Daniel Wagner, I think, or somebody like that, was talking about what a two, what a like beast um, he was from an underlying numbers perspective, and it was just like if you know Micah's charts, it's like red is good or uh, red is bad. Blue is good. And uh, Kyle Wellwoods was like all red in the offensive part of the um, uh, like uh, ice and yeah, rink and like all blue in the defensive. So it was like on the offensive Mm. side producing way more and on the defensive side, allowing way less. And like Philip Deneau is just like that. Mm. It's the kind of guy who you look at his counting stats and you're like, yeah, he seems good, but I don't know why everybody freaks out about this guy, but is just like an underlying numbers beast. And then Kokaniemi mm-hmm. is just a guy who like he was I think he was picked. Was he he was picked two spots ahead of no, he was picked three or four spots ahead of Hughes. OK, he was the first okay. center off the board in the Dalian draft, I think. And he probably shouldn't oh, have gone right. that high, but like he's supposed to be really, really good. And he had you know, I think decent numbers last year. So they have, for what I recall, he has really good defensive underlying numbers. Yeah. Yeah. And they have a, they just have a good, um, they just have a good group of like young, young players coming in and older players who are still good. You know, like Shea Weber mm. is still good. There's, there's problems there. He's not healthy enough, but like, he's still good. You know, um, he keeps killing guys. Tatar is still good. 
Uh, they they fixed the backup goaltending problem. Um, they have some really like promising young defenders like Victor Mete. Um, they're not their high end is like not great, but they're probably the deepest team in the North, and I look forward to hmm. I look forward to watching them I, more. Like, I was not prepared for that at all. I like I I had no idea. Really these guys caught were. me by I just assumed too. they were. I assumed totally that they were starting a rebuild basically. Totally. And that makes sense yeah. because and, um, you would get that impression when they're like trading Domi away. But the thing with Mark Bergevin is that nothing he does ever makes sense, but it still somehow works uh, at mm-hmm. the end of the day. Like speaking of Mark Bergevin, I've already said this before, yeah. but I think Elliot's a prime candidate to be a general manager in this league because he knows how to Google cap geek really, really quickly. <laughs> and he also has huge has arms. Big arms like so, Mark <laughs> so yeah, yeah. There's the whole like old hockey men, general manager route. Then there's uh, the fucking glasses guy in Toronto. I don't fucking know his name. And then there's the Elliot Bergevin movement. Bergevin that, is uh, absolutely my favorite GM because all he does is chaos trades yeah. and biceps. Me too. Like, He's my favorite GM too. <laughs> he rocks. Sometimes I, uh, he's the anti I, it, uh, Kevin Shovel Day Off. Kevin Shovel Day Off. It's the it's it is one hundred percent the Chad anti Kevin Mark uh, Ch- the Chad Mark Bergevin and the Virgin Virgin uh, Kevin Shovel Ch- Day Off because Shovel Day Off is just like this sort of like beanpole like weird looking beanpole guy who never makes trades, <laughs> and then Mark yeah. Bergevin is like Arnold Schwarzenegger who makes five trades a year, <laughs> like like <laughs> five blockbuster trades a year. You know, some sometimes I'm like, hmm, this podcast, like, I don't think it's that niche. Like, maybe I will recommend it to my friends. And then terms like anti-Kevin Shovel Day Off will come up, and I'm like, okay. oh, uh, no, this is a niche. In fairness, in fairness, like, it's, it is supposed to be a hockey podcast. If you I know, don't know, I know who Kevin Shovel Day Off is, then, like... You know, he's only been the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets for like 11 years. Their entire yeah. existence. There shouldn't be that Their obscure. Like, I know. It's just when I'm talking to my friends, yeah. like outside of okay, hockey, well, just, fair. Oh, yeah. I want to check it out. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, um, that's the thing. The problem with the, the problem with recommending this podcast is it's like slightly too hockey for people who aren't super into hockey and slightly too niche for people who are into hockey yeah. right so really yeah. to not hockey but anyways um, um so yeah. just going on off montreal one thing like seeing philip deno's name who by the way montreal acquired through i just i just saw this a second ago <laughs> um they acquired him and a second in 2018 for dale weiss hell yeah and also tom and also thomas fleischman but dale weiss is involved in hey this trade, but so. guess who the canucks ended up with because of dale weiss adam Gaudet, baby uh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know why? Because they traded Dale Weiss, uh, Rafael Diaz, and then yeah. traded Rafael Diaz at the deadline for a fifth round pick that became Adam Gaudet. Oh, oh right. So, I forgot. he was. A so it actually I was about to get mad about that. But then, now I'm like, actually, that's not that bad. <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. It's a pretty good trade. I just want to say about Montreal in the same way that Montreal happens to always get these French players yes. across their whole history. Watching the Flyers game, <laughs> I'm glad you and what nice and segue watching, and watching <laughs> yeah. like Flyers Twitter and talking to people about Flyers Twitter and like how uh, it's just really funny. Lots of good memes, and then looking at the players, only certain kind of players can play for the Habs, and also only certain kind of players can play for the yeah, Flyers. Yeah, players who look like, like gritty, look, <laughs> who yeah. look like gritty, and who also act like him. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes. What is what it like, guys? What is it about Philadelphia that makes Philadelphia the Flyers? I mean, I have no idea because I've never been to Philadelphia, but I do just want to highlight one of my favorite jokes that I've ever made, which was when they announced the uh, when they like not announced, but when they revealed Gritty as their new mascot. And I was like, oh, it was nice of the Flyers to just give the mascot role to the winner of the most normal guy in Philadelphia contest. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I wanted to bring that up because well, I mean, these are two teams that have a very, very strong identity that's never really changed. It's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the Habs have always been the French team and the Flyers have always been like the gremlin team. Yeah, absolutely. And it is particularly like gremlins. Like there's a weird thing with I guess they went from like big bully boys to being gremlins. But. Well, it, that that's the funny <laughs> thing with Philadelphia is that like Philadelphia, the only other team I could think of that I could compare Philadelphia to is Boston. But there's a very Yeah. Um, there's a very, they specific, are good Boston. Yeah. Well, there's a Boston. Exactly. They're like, they're like, um, they're like positive energy, Boston. Like, That's great. Um, both as a city and as a team. Um, and like, I love that the, there, there's like this very weird, but specific, uh, dividing line where I feel like, um, it, it's almost about self-awareness. Like Boston is like, you, you guys are the bad guys in the movie but you for whatever reason like think you're not you know what i mean and it like right. like they don't embrace it they don't embrace it in the same way that yeah. philadelphia does but they deny it they also have like like it's also the difference between being a goon and being a rat and the thing that i and kind of philly's got some rats. exactly and that's the kind of thing that i like about um about philly versus boston is that like boston is like the team that Boston is the team that has, um, you know, Sean Thornton just absolutely mug Brooks Orpik and continue punching him uh, while he's on the ground, knocked out a play that was 10,000 times uh, more disgusting to watch live than what Todd Bertuzzi did, but didn't uh, kill, like didn't paralyze anyone. So no one remembers it. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas like Philadelphia is the team that where like Claude Giroux lines up for the opening faceoff and asks the guy to trade sticks. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like it's, it's that it's that like sort of um, the prankster energy that makes it like sort of sort of um, more palatable for whatever reason. Like it's Bergevin versus Lulam. <laughs> yeah. There's some great stories about how many of uh, the pranks that Bergevin used to play on people. I believe it. Yeah. 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 No, I, I 100% believe it. But I guess we should um, just, I guess, to close Voracek. out, talk a little bit about Jacob Voracek, who, by the way, I'm just going to send, I want to send a photo. You talk about guys who, like, specific guys who play in Philadelphia. I just want to send you guys this picture of Claude Giroux and Jacob Voracek next to each other on the Flyers bench um, from, I think it's quite an old picture now, but like, just look at this picture. They're the same fucking guy. I don't even need to look at this photo. I'm opening This is up, like, like if the Sedins yeah. had been traded Absolutely. <laughs> to chase a cup and they had gone to Philly, which would have been oh, amazing. They, that, but... would have, that would have been awesome if they did that. I would have, I would have, I would have appreciated they that. They look so similar. Like I, it, it, it's really bothersome to me because like, I feel like it's not remarked upon often enough. Like they have this weird, 
Charmander Charizard energy between the two of them where like Giroud just looks like he hasn't fully evolved to Voracek's level yet, but they're like the same guy. It's I don't know. I find it very unnerving, but um, obviously I assume by now you guys have heard or seen the clip of Voracek answering that question from the Philly media guy. Um, two games in Jake, how different does the season feel if at all, given the circumstances of the off season and the condensed schedule and everything? Doesn't matter what I say, Mike. You're gonna write fucking shit every time. No, it doesn't matter what you say. Uh, yeah, it feels different. I mean, we got four points after the first two games. Uh, I, I wasn't even gonna answer your question because you are such a weasel. It's not even funny. Next question. Yeah, yeah, Elliot. I don't know the context. I, I've heard hints of the context, but yeah, I. Elliot, have I you seen it? Basically, I've seen it. Yeah. Do you know anything about the context at all? Because I I missed the context as well. <sighs> What I heard, yeah. at least just off of Hockey Night, is uh, that same author mm-hmm. or that same writer has just been writing a lot of like hit pieces sure. on Voracek. But yeah. I, I don't know in what context. Fair like enough. maybe I'm assuming I'm assuming it's stuff like um, I mean this early in the season it's probably stuff about like, oh, you didn't show up to current training camp sure. uh, and I will conditions. I will drop in the audio of the clip just in case anyone hasn't seen it. Um, Great. Great. So I won't I won't go to lengths of repeating what he said because okay. So I found the context. I found a bit of the context okay. from uh, BroadStreetHockey.com. Perfect. Great. Perfect. Um, Damn, those girls so got is... their own website now too. <laughs> <laughs> it's so this is the article. Okay. Yeah. A quote from the article: uh, Elaine Vigneault, hey, has <laughs> been a NHL head coach for 16 years. Most welcome development of his brief stint with the Flyers has been his willingness to use that credibility to call the team's top two players in a way there never been before. There was Jake Voracek sitting in his locker at the skate zone after the Flyers practice Thursday afternoon, terrible name for an arena, yeah. untying his left <laughs> skate. And Vino stood in the center of the room with his back to him and demanded that Voracek and Giroux deliver a higher caliber of play and leadership. Back-to-back lopsided losses to the Islanders and Penguins had compelled the coach to send his stars a message, and one of them was on hand to hear it. Voracek sat there and laughed. Was it something that is... Uh, the guy next to him said, JVR said, and then some other stuff. Sure. Another quote from this is, but he considers diligence in the defensive zone outside the scope of his role and above his pay grade, a rich attitude for a player who's scheduled to earn $8.25 million annually for the next five years. Okay. So that's what he wrote about him. Yeah. Okay. Word. Some people on Reddit say that uh, this guy, Sielski. Yep. I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. Sielski. Okay. Uh, he's a uh, Philly's version of Steve Simmons in Toronto. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Uh, it's just like a few people fit highly voted up. So fair enough. Um, so, and oh, oh yeah. For context, Sielski has gone after Voracek several times in the past two years, including suggesting they trade him in exchange for placing a Kate Smith statue back on the Wells Fargo grounds. Mm-hmm. What the fuck am I reading? Uh, again, it's like highly rated comments. So, um, oh, uh, there's insinuation that Drew and Voracek were the main reasons the Flyers haven't won a cup in the bubble. Um, questioning his leadership, work ethic, work ethic, and value of the team. So this guy hates Voracek. So okay, uh, e- even like uh, like after a big win, yeah, Battle of Pennsylvania, getting a softball question from him, I'd be like, "Fuck off, dude! I don't want to talk to you right now." Sure. <laughs> the other thing is that Jacob Voracek is a poster. He is. Yeah, absolutely. Which I only just learned. Yeah. I know. I only just learned about this recently, but um, there was a Elliot. Do you remember what the instant that or the instance that Mal told us about was? I'm trying. to So remember. Uh, apparently during one of the world championships of hockey, he was up at 5 a.m. Just like 
tweeting at his haters. Yeah, Hell absolutely. Yeah. yeah, there was rise and grind <laughs> on him. Someone, someone found a a tweet of him just like attacking a uh, a random like some random egg on Twitter at like five a.m. So he like woke up <laughs> or or was up all night um, thinking about you know uh, people being mean to him or whatever. What first and, name uh, seven numbers was saying about? Yeah, him. exactly. <laughs> um, Although sometimes he's not necessarily the uh, best poster because he's he did reply to someone saying that if Voracek had more heart, he'd play in his walking boot <laughs> as a reply to NHL Flyra, who is yeah. like clearly trolling. Yeah, absolutely. And he got mad about that. But yeah. he might have been kidding, too. So it's impossible to know. So I just have to say, like, the reaction to this has been interesting um, because, like, from what I've seen, most people kind of like okay so there's there's there are sort of two camps that i've that i've seen reacting to this uh and it could just be my bubble so like i I don't want to speak for don't want to speak for everyone but like what i've kind of seen is there's two types of people reacting to this which is a the biggest group which is just people who think it's funny but then i've seen like a weird other side to it of people being almost kind of like yeah you you tell him jake you know like score one for the players who have to put up with all this uh, garbage from the media or whatever. And I just have to say, like, I don't know how much of that is out there, but my personal reaction when I saw this was honestly to just be like, that's super bitch made to like, I know it's funny or whatever. And like, it is funny. And in that sense, like I sort of hope it continues just so I can laugh at it. But like, I think like as a professional athlete, who makes $8 million a year revealing that you're that much of a bitch is kind of like embarrassing, frankly. I think it also depends on the writer that he's sure. saying this. But to. the thing with like if Phil Kessel said this to Steve, Simmons, would I would have no yes. qualms about <laughs> any of this shit. I would, you know, and that's the thing buy is a cardboard cut out of the guy. Like, yeah, I don't have, so the, I, we just don't know enough about this. Writer. I don't have the con. Like, I don't know enough about the writer to be able to say that it's totally, um, Uh, It's totally unwarranted. And I'm not even saying that it's totally unwarranted. I'm just saying, like, he's got to log off, you know? Yeah. It's also funny because this is the only time. It's not that hard to just not read the shit that people write about you. You know what I mean? And and what this has revealed to me is that Jacob Voracek clearly reads everything that's written about him and gets upset about all of it. And I just kind of think I can't believe I only made, you know? I can't believe I only know like 12 people on Twitter who follow him. Cause I'm looking through his account. There's lots of great stuff on here. Okay, I'm going to start following him uh, right now. Uh, he replies to some guy who's criticizing him saying better than that five cent body of yours. That was just like four days ago. Yes. Yeah. That was the, uh, yeah. that was one of the instances that someone mentioned. Actually, I feel like that might've been the, uh, uh, that might've been the 5am uh, tweet actually. Yeah, can you? Oh, maybe that was. Can like you give recent. me the um um the context for that? And what's his at, by the way? Uh, his at is J A C H O B E J Tobe. Um, there's no context to this. I think it's uh just somebody saying that. Okay, so here it is. Oh, somebody somebody said Voracek has a five cent head. Uh, yes, no, this is not <laughs> like from 5 a.m., but if someone said, years. yeah, Voracek has his best year in a Flyers uniform last year, and he is still way overpaid and has a five-cent head. And then Jacob Voracek responds and says, better than that five-cent body of yours. And yeah. I got to say, like, 
this is this has like five thousand likes and like uh, hundreds of retweets, and um, I personally think this shit sucks. Um, I don't want to be like a fucking Debbie Downer or whatever because I know it's funny, but this is a guy whose name is Mike from S Jersey, and <laughs> fucking has a picture of his kid in his avatar. <laughs> he's like a fat guy or whatever, but but this guy that he's talking about, who I'm just doxing right now has 337 twitter followers this guy is a nobody you're and like i just think when people do this it's like what what's the fucking goal here like all you're proving is that some like thumb looking guy annoyed you which is the fucking goal of being one of these guys on twitter you know what i mean like and i I just don't understand why people feel like they have to give like they have to plaster the opinions of these nobodies across the internet. Like if Alex Burroughs was still in the league, yeah. he would have be taking, he would be taking notes and all this shit to put in your like trash talk. Dossier. Absolutely. Like if, if, um, which is also just another bizarre thing that we don't talk about. Enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just, I just think like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I, it's probably not a, it's probably not a super um, original observation by any means, but I just look at this and I just go like, you look like a wimp. Like you look like you are the most uh like How you have the lowest self-esteem of any NHL player in the league. Like to to get mad about like what some guy is writing about you and get mad about like this is the kind of thing that me as a nobody, I fucking live for this shit. The fact that I know like when I know that I pissed somebody off who has like way more money and power and influence than me, I'm like hell yeah yeah I, yeah I'm, I'm gonna say uh for very little reason yeah. i love this shit yeah um it's uh flyers energy yeah fair um, enough for sure uh i think i had another reason but i forgot also why is his location in on his twitter new jersey that's funny that is funny <laughs> yeah i don't know uh philly's on the border of like the yeah. state of new jersey so yeah. he might live across the river I uh, yeah, that's true. I just want to say, I guess, as my my like my final observation on this thing, when you see someone be mean to you on Twitter and they have two followers, you laugh and go, that's funny. You don't like plaster their opinions all over the internet as a as some kind of like gotcha. You know what I mean? Because it's just like it, I feel like it's people who don't understand how the Twitter algorithm works. It's 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 like you're saying that this is good content by by quote tweeting it and and fucking plastering it all over everywhere. And uh, and I like it. I think it's a bitch move. Um, I think it is. Uh, it's funny. Like I I I'm not saying I hope it stops because like at the end of the day, the point is to be entertained, but it's just like kind of weird to think that like Mm -hmm. this guy, this random dude who's a fan of a sports team, who is like just saying that he thinks this player sucks, which we all do all the time. Like that all of a sudden, like now, like thousands of people know about him. And I don't know. It's just kind of weird. Like it, it seems, it seems like it's one of those things where people, people have this weird sense of like, yeah, this guy is 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 taking it to his haters. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah, but this guy is a fucking like millionaire athlete. And like the people who are complaining about him are a bunch of nobodies. Like, I don't. Why would he care? The fact that he cares is 
says more about him than anyone else <laughs> in my opinion yeah. that's so yeah it's funny but also uh my whole reaction to the thing was just to be like i don't know why we're like championing this championing this guy he's clearly a, a little like whiner i don't know it seems biased from a guy who makes money writing yeah of course <laughs> of course absolutely i'm, I'm just joking. no but I also no but for real like that's writing. a thing that that's a thing that always irritates me is that like people act like the like you, you put an athlete and a journalist in a room together and people act like the journalist is the one with all the power. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it's stupid. The, the, the team and the athletes have, like, way more control over the narrative than the media does. Like, I'm sorry. A lot of people probably disagree with me on that, but it's like, you know how easy it is to get shit quashed if you're an NHL team? Are there good examples of that? Yeah, but I can't tell you any of them. <laughs> on that note (laughs) wait oh no i got okay i got three things the pucks (coughs) sorry the pucks now that they have apparently all like these tracker devices inside them um they're like somebody said on one of the broadcasts that uh the league is happier like one of the benefits of no fans being in there is that when the puck goes out of the rink they can get the puck back because it holds a lot of information in it because of the trackers. Right. And they're really, really expensive as a <laughs> yes. result. They're like Holy shit. $300 plus. Oh, I never Jesus even Christ. thought of that. Holy shit. So like that was just like, that just blew my mind there. Cause it's like, I don't, I, I, I assume that the way the data is recorded isn't that they like, like I assume it would be real time. Not that like when you lose the puck to some kid in the stands, but like now that kid has all the information. Okay, about guys, how I've got to get rich. It'll quick just scheme. it'll just be a couple of transmitters <laughs> so they can find the puck. I've got to get rich quick scheme, guys. Okay, here's, to- <laughs> here's what we do. We <laughs> we just all we got to do is get a bunch of people. This I, this is already <laughs> the, the amount of people that are required for this is already going to make it not work. But you get a bunch of people <laughs> in the stands and. You wait for pucks to go over the glass and then you round up all of them and then you sell them back to the NHL for $200 a piece, which is still worth it for them to buy to, to buy it back from you because it's cheaper than replacing the pucks. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, you, you round up a, a bunch of people to, uh, to just like collect all the pucks that go into the glass and then sell them back to, uh, to the NHL at like a two thirds, uh, you know, of the, of the cost that it take, cost them to make it. Hell yeah. And it's cheaper than replacing the puck. So they have to do it. <laughs> I feel like this is, Absolutely. I feel like this is the hockey version of the, like, what if we melted down all the petties and sold them for. <laughs> <laughs> it's the hockey version of what if we drive the cans to New Jersey where the deposits five cents more. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, my last thing might require Elliot to pull up an old tweet. Elliot, you found some interesting information about Cliff Ronning. Oh, oh yeah, absolutely. Bit? This is a great thing to end. Sorry on. to put you on the spot. No, like, not at all. Um, I don't want to lose this one. So I was something came up about the Minnesota Wild series. So I was actually looking at the old Minnesota Wild series from what was that? 2003. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out that Cliff Ronning scored in the deciding game. Wow. I didn't know that. What? Maybe it wasn't the deciding game. But he played in that series against the Canucks. That's crazy. I and I was like, at all. I had no idea. <laughs> Me neither. So I went through Cliff Ronning's history. Um, originally drafted by the St. Louis Blues. Yep. And then he played a season before he was a full-time NHLer. He went over to Europe to play a year. Ah, so he, he went played. and played. So he went and played in, you know, 
like the Swiss league maybe, or, uh, or maybe he played for, you know, Jokerit or he maybe played in the Swedish elite league. I'm assuming. Well, you would think that, but instead he played in the Italian league. Oh man. And the club he played for is hockey club Asiago. <laughs> now in fairness, I did learn that Asiago is apparently a city or a region. In yeah. Italy. It's named like the cheese is named after the city. Much where in the it's same made. way that champagne is named after the region. Uh, in, in France where it's made. Um, but I have to say like the fact that, it, that you just sent me a, like a screenshot of like Cliff Ronning playing for the Asiago hockey club. I was like, <laughs> there's no way like, like <laughs> that sounds like something I would say. Like if I was going to be like, Oh yeah, he played for the spaghetti Parmesan uh, hockey club in Rome or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, I 100% yeah. thought you guys were joking when I first heard about this. Yeah. So the other important thing to remember is that he played for HC Asiago, which is not to be confused with <laughs> uh, the Asiago Vipers, who are a roller hockey team. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> okay. The thing that I wanted to find was I can't find it on Wikipedia now for some reason, but I took a screenshot, thankfully, which was a... Um, it was a look at the uh, coaches of the Asiago uh, hockey team. Yeah. And um, just the way that it had just a classic joke, joke structure. And also, do you have it? Uh, yes, I do. Um, just okay. if, first of all, the way it just mimics a classic joke structure and also um, the path of globalization in the latter half of the 20th century. I just love that their first three coaches were Giuseppe Timpano, Mario Lavore and then Gary Davidson. <laughs> it's just like the most hockey thing. Classic joke structure. <laughs> All right. Anyways, uh, Justin, Justin had a good one. Uh, the name Parmesan Belvo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's leave it at that. That's fantastic. Uh, All right. On that note, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Felson McDonald. You can follow me at Biasteran. You can follow me at Moose Kayak. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to follow the pod at Roxy Fever. Um, no hate mail this week. Uh, we're keeping the good vibes going this season. Um, yeah. Uh, bye. <laughs> Hasta la vista, baby.